Welcome to Tech Demand Weekly, powered by Serious Decisions. I'm your host, Charles Commons. On last week's episode, Terry Flaherty of Serious Decisions discussed the theory behind the definition of a lead. To continue our month on the subject of lead generation, we speak to a marketing leader from a tech vendor. The most important thing, I think, from a lead definition point of view is understanding what sales need. If you understand who actually will buy your technology or your service, you are well on the way to success. Theory is good, and things like demand waterfalls um, provide a very, very good framework for understanding. But sometimes you can get a little bit bamboozled by the science of every aspect of it. Chris Borman works at CA Technologies, and today he discusses the practical side of dealing with leads on an everyday basis. As with Terry, we started off right at the very top, and Chris gives his definition of what a lead is. I think the term lead is quite a confusing term in a lot of B2B organizations. And that seems like a very strange thing to say because at the end of the day, well, a lead's a very simple thing. It's somebody who basically you engage with. Um, for me, um, a lead really is a high quality um, engagement with a human being who has demonstrated significant interest in a solution that you are offering to the world. Um, They have a business need that we can solve. But before you get involved too heavily in trying to define, is it a system-defined lead or a logical lead or whatever else, um, the most important thing, I think, from a lead definition point of view is understanding what sales need. At the end of the day, marketing is a revenue-generating engine, in my belief, and our job is to find the people within organizations who are interested and have a business need that we can solve. And therefore, it's incredibly important that the lead that you define is um, an agreed definition with your sales organization, because at the end of the day, um, we talk about a marketing funnel. We talk about finding people, qualifying them, nurturing them, and then delivering this high quality um, person to the sales organization so that they can build pipeline that progresses to closure. So for me, a lead is a highly qualified individual. Um, Often we are looking for characteristics such as budget, authority, need, and timeframe. But it has to be a definition that is agreed with your colleagues in sales. Would that definition therefore change depending on where you're working, who you're working for? You were saying there that you know you have to agree that definition between you and the sales team and, and everybody within that organisation. I, I presume is what you mean. So from marketing downwards, um, that therefore when you go to work for a new business, that definition might change. Absolutely correct. I've seen many organisations. Um, have completely different definitions of what a lead is. I've also seen many organizations talk about um, a lack of alignment. And I think the two of these are very, very closely linked. Often a lack of alignment with sales is defined by a lack of clarity and a lack of um, openness in terms of um, understanding the terminology of 
what you are working with. In most organizations, you look at, and in fact, serious decisions talk about the demand waterfall and converting that into a pragmatic approach of how you actually do marketing. Um, the first thing that is important is to agree who are the target personas that you are trying to find. If you understand who actually will buy your technology or your service, um, you are well on the way to success. Because then from a marketing point of view, our job is to find those people, engage with those people, and um, develop a relationship with them um, such that um, they are ready to engage with you. And you, that's what you pass to sales. So for me, when I look at um, the role of marketing, I see it as a revenue generating capability. Um, we run marketing programs and we get first contact. And first contact is somebody who raises their arm and says, hey, um, that's an interesting ebook or that's an interesting advert or whatever. We then nurture those people from that first contact to a much, much more sophisticated lead that we call an MQL or a marketing qualified lead. And it's that lead that I think is the true definition of a lead that can be accepted by sales, um, as opposed to early stage leads that are simply not qualified enough. So from my point of view, um, this definition of a lead is really critical to understand because what I'm trying to do is I am trying to pass human beings across to a salesperson who has authority to buy, has a budget, has a need, has a time frame, um, and can then be created in the system as a real opportunity with real pipeline that progresses to closure. Um, that's what I mean by a, a lead. Um, and if I achieve that, then I'm feeling in a pretty good place. So how do you measure that success then? Is it literally just getting it down to that, that pipeline and closing that off completely? That's the point where you actually say, yes, this has worked for our lead generation. Ultimately, yes, that is correct. Um, hitting our revenue goals is the clear definition of success. At the end of the day, um, every CEO I've ever worked for um, is interested first and foremost in hitting their revenue targets, often quarterly revenue targets. And to hit those revenue targets, you need pipeline. And that pipeline um, comes from a variety of sources, marketing and sales. And so ultimately, success for me is really about pipeline. And one of the things that I believe in is... Um, for marketing organizations that I'm involved in um, to measure our success in terms of the pipeline that is created as a result of the programs we run. Um, when people talk to me about how many inquiries or first contacts they've generated, I'm not really that interested. Um, yes, of course, it's a leading indicator, but the most important thing is that they get converted into qualified leads that get picked up by sales, that create real pipeline that progresses to closure. So success is in hitting the revenue numbers and a primary um, early warning sign for that is to ensure that um, the sales organization is entering each quarter 
um, each financial quarter with enough pipeline coverage um, that they need in order to close that quarter. And that's the science of marketing, is ensuring that you are working with sales to build the pipeline that is required so that um, the team closes the revenue for that quarter. So I measure marketing and, and my marketing organization on the pipeline created and within marketing, of course, we monitor the marketing qualified leads and the inquiries, but there are means to an end. So as you were basically saying there, at the end of the day, lead is a lead, but converting that into a sale is the most important thing for you. So how much do you actually rely on the theory of what a lead is when your priority is to actually win that business and, and close those deals? So theory is good. Um, and things like demand waterfalls um, provide a very, very good framework for understanding. Um, but sometimes you can get a little bit bamboozled by um, the science of every aspect of it. And so I actually um, believe in being always being pragmatic um, you can always get distracted by the theory of lead management. Um, when push comes to shove, our job in marketing is to identify the type of person interested in your solutions. It's about finding them. Um, and there's a whole range of very modern um, techniques that we can use to achieve that, um, whether that be through social engagement, LinkedIn, Facebook, and so forth whether it be more traditional approaches, running WebExes and webinars and so forth. But it's a question of finding those people, engaging with them, and then working with sales to build pipeline for them. So that critical measurement of success that we talked about a moment ago is about the pipeline being managed um, by sales. And that's what it's, I think is the most important thing. Lovely. Yes, um, I, I completely agree with that, actually. Um, it's one of the things that I, I've, I've kind of learned a lot about this subject over the last two weeks. And uh, and I'm sort of feeling now as though I'm, I'm really starting to get, get a handle on it, especially hearing how, you know, yes, there's a theory there, but at the end of the day, you guys have actually got to you know, hit your targets. You've got to create money for the company that you're working for. Otherwise, you'd be out of a job and they'd go and get somebody else that can do it for you, um, for them instead. Um, and whereas the theory is great to have at, at the back, if you like, and, and to know what it is, uh, it doesn't necessarily give you the exact um, route down to that closing of the deal in, at the end of the day, does it? Yep, I, I completely agree. And um, in terms of pragmatism, it's almost a, a set of um, steps that you go through. The first thing that I always do is sit down with sales and understand, um, okay, what are the revenue targets? Then um, what's the pipeline coverage that you need? And you'll find in different organizations, different requirements. So traditionally, in a lot of B2B organizations, what a sales organization will normally say is, if, I'm, if I need to close a million dollars or a million pounds of business, um, I need to go into the quarter with 3x coverage or 4x coverage, which means $3 million of pipeline or $4 million of pipeline. From that point of view, you then have a good understanding of the average deal size and, um, and how 
and business is built. From that, you can then work out, well, okay, in that case, we need to be running programs that will deliver a certain number of leads that will convert at a certain value in a certain ratio. And this is where the science of funnel management becomes very, very important. And it's by doing all of that that you then get to a plan and a model where each side of the party, sales and marketing, are standing up and being accounted for um, in a very, very clear and a very visible manner. After the break, we'll delve further into the process of lead generation. I'll be back with Chris in a minute. Serious Decisions is a research and advisory firm that delivers the actionable, intelligence, transformative frameworks and expert guidance that equip executives to modernize and elevate sales, marketing and product performance. Fast-growing companies rely on Serious Decisions research and insights to improve their decision-making ability and help them implement and change processes faster to drive growth. Based on a recent study, Serious Decisions clients are proven to grow 12 to 15 times faster than their peers and have a 34% higher profitability rate. Serious Decisions' mission is to help their clients achieve cross-functional alignment and improve performance through access to cutting-edge research and collaborative step-by-step counsel. Check out their latest research and insights at SeriousDecisions.com. Welcome back to Tech Demand Weekly, powered by Serious Decisions. I'm with Chris Borman, a leading marketer who, whilst working for Automic, won an award from Serious Decisions for his sales performance alignment funnel. I wanted to know more about what led Chris to being honoured with this award, so asked him to expand on it for us. Yes, um, we've actually been a client of Serious Decisions for a number of years. And um, at Automic, um, one of the things that we were looking at is how do we ensure that our funnel um, and this whole process that we've been talking about is um, as optimized as possible? And um, optimizing a funnel sounds like an interesting thing to do. Um, But ultimately... What we looked at is from the first point at which somebody thinks about who who is this company called Atomic, and they visit our web, how we manage the conversions into leads, the digital nurturing of those people down into um, the sales funnel from the pipeline being created through to closure. And what can marketing do to work with sales and what can sales do to work with marketing to ensure that we um, are building the correct amount of pipeline, that we are helping to progress that pipeline through to closure. And we measured and we looked at three specific metrics all the way through the funnel, the quantity, the quality, and the velocity. And if you are looking at funnel, um, and if you are looking at sales and marketing performance, then ensuring that you identify every aspect of that funnel, all of the handoffs through that funnel, and where there are interactions between teams and how that works, and then focusing on the three elements of do you have enough, is it of the relevant quality, and is it moving through the funnel quickly enough, um, then you are very much on the way to alignment. So what we did with Serious Decisions, they came in and they looked at what we had done in terms of how we align the two organizations. And I think there are five golden rules that I would um, say from my learnings in terms of 
alignment. The first is trust. Um, and it, may, it may sound strange that I start with the word trust because ultimately sales and marketing have to trust each other. The leadership has to trust each other. Um, and trust goes further than simply the word trust. You have to have each other's back. And so from my point of view, um, that level of trust between sales and marketing, that there is an, a belief in each other um, in each function and an agreement and an understanding of what that means is, is incredible. And that takes time to build. The second thing is governance. Um, having a process, um, understanding exactly what happens through this entire process. This also impacts very heavily things like service level agreements because there needs to be an SLA in terms of how sales works with the leads that marketing delivers. But at the same time, there needs to be an SLA on marketing on what they are delivering to sales. And so understanding the governance of how you manage that funnel and work your way through it then becomes incredibly important. The third thing is single view of a truth. Um, this actually combined with the fourth live data, um, I think are critical. Um, the number of times in the past I've seen organizations take data out of a system, put it into spreadsheets, and then start discussing the data. Um, at the end of the day, um, I believe it's incredibly important to always run interlock meetings, to always look at data from a single view of the truth, which is usually your CRM system um, that you are operationalizing. It may, from a historical point of view, maybe your data warehouse, but actually running interlocks and being able to look at live data. As an example, um, we're often asked in marketing to attend a particular event. And it's one of the favorite things that um, traditional salespeople like is um, we need to go to an event. And in the past, I've often been able to say to organizations, to the sales team, well, why are we wanting to attend that event? Um, oh, because Bill's pipeline. Well, the data shows that it doesn't, or the data's wrong. Well, you, sales, put the data in. And you quickly get to a situation where um, by having live data from within the system that sales and marketing maintain and being able to look at that single view of the truth, you are able to get through a lot of debate um, and a lot of discussion because the data never lies. And becoming a data-driven organization is incredibly important. And then the fifth one is communication. Um, I've learned that communication is very, very difficult. And often we marketeers, we pride ourselves on communicating to the world. Um, our job is to go out there and tell the world what we do. Um, an even more important part of communication when it comes to sales and marketing alignment is internal communication. It is communicating with sales. And sales are a special breed. Um, they are brilliant. Sales, a sales organization, um, a high-performing sales organization, knows exactly what they need to do to close business. And that's a beautiful thing. Um, the problem, though, is that marketeers um, are often thinking about a whole range of other capabilities. And salespeople will think of something, and they will internalize it 
if they need it there and then. So what I've found is that if you think you've communicated with sales, communicate again and again and again. And it's nothing against sales in any way whatsoever. It's just that um, they are focused on closing the deal. They are focused on driving the revenue in a very, very single-minded attitude. So um, the five golden rules I have in terms of alignment with sales is building trust, ensuring that you have clarity of operational governance, um, ensure that you have a single view of the truth in a data-driven world, always use live data, don't take the data out and abstract it left, right, and center, and then communicate, communicate, and communicate. And that's what we did with Serious Decisions. We sat down with them and we showed them what we had been doing. We showed them how our performance had improved um, because, of course, they were looking for the results. And we were delighted when they awarded us with an ROI of the year program for our sales and, and marketing alignment. So with those, those those five golden rules then, is that is that something that, to me, that sounds such an obvious thing to have in place in, in any business, you know, when it comes to, you know, you're having to sell a product. Is that something that you're kind of finding if you ever go into a new business or or maybe a business that you've been a part of in the past and you've just gone, none of that's there at all? I, I, I would just find that a bit, I don't know, surprising, I suppose, that I, I would think that that makes complete sense. So therefore, everybody should know know about those sort of five rules. And therefore, whichever business you go into, you'd find them in some way, shape or form anyway. Um, I think the words you just used there are exactly correct. Um, they're always there in some shape or form, um, but they can always be improved. Um, what I've found um, in organizations I've worked in is that, um, for example, Automic, um, we didn't use live data. We used spreadsheets. Um, sales leaders looked at their forecasts um, in a spreadsheet completely separate from the operational systems. And um, our sales leader um, changed that. Um, so um, I do agree with you entirely. I think these are very sensible um, five golden rules, five very sensible rules, in my opinion. And this is one of the things that um, I've done in my career is um, ensured that by putting these in place, um, some of them are um, easy to do, some of them are more difficult because in, in many organizations, and I think this is changing a lot, marketing has, be, has been seen as the creative side of the equation, whereas um, increasingly um, marketing is now being seen as a science and the creativity of modern marketing organizations is on leveraging budget and resources to drive the biggest um, revenue impact for the organization. And marketing has and is transforming from an art into a science that is supported by art. So how does your organization then address selling to the modern enterprise in, in 2018? And, and how has that changed over the last, say, three years or so? So marketing is changing rapidly. Um, ultimately, um, every organization that is, that is um, a vendor that is running B2B sales and marketing 
um, and notice that I use the word sales and marketing than just marketing, um, is that um, we all have technology or services that we want to sell. And from my point of view, I've always um, been of the opinion that I don't really worry that much if my mum doesn't know what I sell. At the end of the day, she's never going to buy it. Um, what is important in my role is ensuring that those people who may have an interest for what I am selling to know who I am and to know what I do. And therefore, my brand strategy is about targeting those people. And in B2B marketing, we call those the persona. Um, we've given them a job title. <laughs> um, and it's incredibly important to understand who that persona is that you want to target. It might be uh, an operational leader. It might be a business leader. It might be somebody in the security sector. It might be somebody in the DevOps world. Um, there's a variety of different personas that one can target. And having identified um, who those personas are, you then sit down sales, marketing, engineering, services, and you agree a set of what are called go-to-market programs or campaigns that you will run to go after those particular personas with your story. Um, you then basically work out what you need to do. And marketing has evolved in a number of specific areas. Um, the first really is that it's becoming far more of a science than it ever was before. It's becoming a very data-driven world. We can see very easily in the data what works, what doesn't work, and you can course correct. And so from that perspective, um, there's a lot of change because um, modern marketeers are becoming more data-orientated and need to become data-orientated. But from an organizational perspective, marketing is also changing because the world of traditionally um, field marketing is a part of a B2B marketing organization that w works in the trenches with sales. Um, but that is changing rapidly. And um, what I believe is that field marketing as a discipline is actually now um, evolving into four very specific professional disciplines that um, leverage that data and leverage um, the go-to-markets that I've just been talking about. The first of these principles is a digital demand center. Um, digital demand centers are um, really the centralized capability of using digital techniques to find and then nurture people through that funnel. I, for example, believe that email as an initial contact tool is dead. Um, and um, ultimately, in terms of prospecting, social engagement and other ways of engagement are far, far more um, impactful. Email is still very important, by the way, because it's very good at nurturing through the digital channels. But this idea of how do we leverage digital capabilities to engage with and find people and then nurture them through that funnel is a very, very key discipline. And that's um, an area that has been evolving very fast. A second area that's evolving is this 
idea of account-based marketing. And account-based marketing seems to have become um, the go-to term for a lot of marketing vendors and for a lot of businesses. Um, and I think there's great credibility in account-based marketing. And I think it's becoming a very, very important um, discipline within modern B2B marketing organizations. And we can talk about that at another time. But um, account-based marketing is, for me, about how you build a, an improving relationship with organizations to help you achieve the goals you have for that organization. And those goals may be to you know, maintain renewals, to penetrate into the account, to expand your footprint. There's a variety of goals that you go into. Um, the third area is partner marketing, is leveraging the partner community to extend your reach and to engage with your accounts. And then that fourth area is customer marketing. So for me, marketing is an incredible um, career for any person um, in the modern B2B marketing world. And it's rapidly changing. The technology is changing. The um, ability is changing. The way in which we can engage with people is changing. Um, but those core disciplines of digital demand centers, account-based marketing, partner marketing, um, customer marketing are how I think marketeers need to think about how they are evolving their careers as they keep up with this rapidly changing world we live in. I think that's actually a great point in, in the fact that we can all look to be sort of evolving ourselves, um, not just because we have to, um, as the industry evolves or, or the world and, you know, socially we evolve naturally, but to, you know, to actually better ourselves and then to obviously then from there help uh, the industry that we work in evolve as well. Uh, you know, while we evolve, then hopefully the industry will evolve and and therefore we're not having to play catch up at any point to um, the way that the, the, the work we're doing is evolving. You are right. I think that this world we live in, in terms of B2B marketing, it's incredibly exciting. Um, and you can actually become quite overwhelmed with the... Um, types of technology and the number of vendors. I think I'm sure you see one of those, those maps that um, organizations produce showing how much MarTech there, there is. Um, ultimately, um, I'm a firm believer in the pragmatism of marketing and use what you need to use um, and get results from that. Um, but yeah, the discipline of marketing is changing as well. And I think that um, my advice to people in the marketing profession is to understand um, what discipline they are in and become experts in that. And actually, that's something we've done very well with Serious Decisions, um, referring back to them um, in terms of helping to benchmark how we have evolved, helping to benchmark what we do in comparison with other organizations. So could you talk about how once you've sourced the lead then, Chris, then what actually happens as part of the process from then on, please? So, um, a number of things. When we run a program um, and we source a lead, that lead is something that we call an inquiry. It's that first contact. We then use um, digital marketing techniques to nurture that lead from that first contact to what we call an MQL. 
And the NQL is when we feel in marketing that we are ready to hand this across to the sales organization for them to engage with that lead. And in an ideal world, um, we've got very clear delineation um, between marketing processing it and nurturing it and then passing it over to sales. And a critical part in that handoff is what we call the lead score. The lead score is actually um, one of the most important alignment tools between sales and marketing because it reflects what sales believe is needed and what sales know is needed in terms of characteristics of a lead. Um, and this includes a variety of capabilities such as the job title, um, what they've expressed interest in, what they've looked at, what they've downloaded, what they've read. There's a variety of things that go into this. And um, from a B2B perspective, um, every marketing automation platform has this concept of lead scoring. But what I've observed often is that lead scores are not kept alive. Um, and one of the things that we did and something that Serious Decisions had um, observed is that we would have literally um, every two weeks we would sit down between sales and marketing and review the leads being delivered and the quality of those leads. And we would make modifications to our lead score so that literally every month we were fine-tuning this to meet the needs of the sales organization. Because this is where alignment goes horribly wrong when sale, when marketing says, hey, I've delivered a lead, and sales basically turns around and says, well, um, you call that a lead? That's not a lead. Um, and that's where this lead score becomes so incredibly important as this alignment tool. So anyway, so you, you, you nurture the lead, you get it to a certain lead score, and then you pass it across to sales. They then make contact themselves. They engage that lead. During that process, you are continuing to keep that lead or that person warm. And what they are doing is they are then traversing the organization from the lead that we've provided to the buying group. Um, and that's what the first sort of sales engagement is, is to qualify the lead, um, reiterate and understand that it's the correct quality, and then expand it to identify the broader buying group, which may be one or more human beings. They then progress that lead through into a pipeline, into an opportunity, and down the funnel. And whilst that is happening, what we're doing is we are influencing and accelerating using either digital or face-to-face -face techniques, because we can help sales um, as part of a team to progress that opportunity through to closure. Um, they don't have to do it all themselves, um, and by working together, that actually progresses it further. So ultimately, that's what it's all about. It's, it's a funnel from first contact through to closure, and it's about understanding every step of the way and making sure that when you are handing things across from one group to another, um, you've got very clear definitions that you are continuing to evolve and you're continuing to work on an ongoing basis. We talked a bit earlier, Chris, about how the industry is evolving um, and how we can be evolving as, as well along with that. So can you maybe 
talk to our listeners about some of the major changes that are occurring uh, and, and the challenges you face to remain on top of your game at the moment? Uh, certainly. I think that there are two dimensions of change that are affecting B2B marketing. One is the technology and one is the organization um, or the organizational model. From a technology perspective, um, we are now have at our fingertips um, technologies that allow us to become a very data-driven organization um, that um, can basically um, work closely with sales in terms of driving demand into those um, segments of an organization that are critical to your success. And that technology stack, or what's commonly called the MarTech stack, um, is evolving very, very quickly. Um, And the ability of us to be able to use it and to get our message in front of relevant people is um, evolving fast. The second thing that's evolving is the organizational model of modern B2B marketing. And I, I mentioned it earlier, but I do, I do believe that there are a number of professional disciplines that are evolving that all marketeers should be thinking about. Um, the idea of digital demand centers to drive d- demand using these digital technologies and digital tools. Um, the idea of account-based marketing to build um, strategic relationships with organizations. Because at the end of the day, people still buy from people, um, particularly in the B2B world. Um, they will buy from people that they trust. And building that relationship um, and driving demand into those organizations, um, I think account-based marketing is a very, very real capability that helps drive that. Partner marketing um, is f- incredibly important, um, ultimately to expand your reach, to leverage partners, to engage with your customers, your prospects, and then customer marketing. Um, what we are also seeing in, I think, in the B2B world is as a byproduct of the digital world we live in, if I can say that, um, I think organizations are increasingly looking for verification from other customers and from other users. Um, The idea of online communities, the idea of user groups, the uh, ability of um, organizations to be able to talk to and engage with the people actually using your technology is so easy nowadays that it forces correctly, and this is where customer success organizations have begun to flourish, it forces you to engage with your own customers and ensure that they are using your technology for the purposes and for the requirements that they bought it. So um, yeah, I think that um, B2B marketing is an incredibly exciting world we're living in right now, and it's rapidly changing, both from an organizational discipline perspective as well as from a technology perspective. Um, I can't think of any better place to be right now than in the middle of this. My thanks to Chris Borman. Lots to digest there and really shows that while it's good to have the theory of how lead generation works, the tactics you deploy are what keeps marketers in the game. 
Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to us from. And if you haven't already, make sure you go back and listen to episode 8 with Terry Flaherty of Serious Decisions. Thanks for listening to Tech to Man Weekly, powered by Serious Decisions. I'm Charles Commons, and I'll be back next Wednesday. <laughs>